you remember the fork fight in Vegas? Are drugs gay or are gay drugs? Does anyone you know have big douche goo energy? It's Buffy and Queerness this week on Why Do You Know That? Welcome to Why Do You Know That, the podcast that wants to know why you know so much about a very specific topic. I'm Nadia Osmond. I'm Steve Splaga. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nadia. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah? It's been hot. It's so fucking hot outside. I don't know when this episode's gonna, you know, air. It might not be hot anymore. It'll probably still be hot it's it's the summer it's summer in la it's kicking in and that means that like you end up waking up one morning and you go why are my clothes sticking to me and like i have to peel it off like saran wrap you go to bed with a fan on your face and just lay straight on your back and just hope nothing touches you (laughs) god forbid there should be like an earthquake (laughs) Or something that requires you to, like, get up out of bed and then get back into bed where it's like, oh, it's so hot. Luckily, my cat also hates it, so I don't have to worry about any, like, fuzzy creatures burrowing up next to me. She's just on the hardwood floor and just, it's three months of she won't. She won't (laughs) take it. She She won't have physical contact. Is she shedding a bunch? I feel like every pet owner this week was suddenly like, Oh, there's just clumps of fur everywhere because my pet suddenly realized that it's hot outside. She... No, I've been brushing her pretty regularly. (laughs) Are you going to talk about this? (laughs) I've been brushing my cat regularly because she popped up a hairball. Good. So she hasn't been shedding more than normal. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've really... I guess what you could say is in terms of keeping her undercoat from getting too thick. I've really been slaying that. Fur. Fur, yes. I've been slaying the fur game. Steve? Speaking of, no? No, that might be the best set okay, good, we've good, done good. since. We've I figured I either this. shocked you into silence for excitement or no. horror. No, that's yeah. one of the greatest sex of yeah. all time. Speaking of slaying. <laughs> Well, let's introduce our guest. She is a writer and the host of the podcasts Angel on Top and Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead. Please welcome Brittany Ashley. Hey. hey. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. This is my favorite topic of all time. So I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Well, more specifically than just Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because there's podcasts for that. For yeah. General yeah. Buffy we, the Vampire Slayer. We should pause and tell anybody that's listening right now, the four people that are tuning yes. in. If you want to hear a Buffy podcast, you can go to Britney's. You can go to a billion other yeah. places for that. This isn't about just Buffy or an episode recap. More specific, this is about queerness on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, this is how absolutely gay this show is in so many different ways. In the overt ways, in the allegorical ways. It's all over the place. Yeah, and interestingly, I did watch the show when it first aired, not to brag, starting with the episode with Clea Duvall. That's the first one I started on as well. Yeah. Yeah. And was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And by the end of the first season, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep watching this. Um, But in that first run, when I was like, probably the same age as Mm -hmm. you, uh, despite Clea Duvall's appearance, so much gay subtext just right over my head. Oh, so 100%. many things, right? Like looking back, uh, Buffy's mom, Joyce, saying things like, I'm trying to march in the Slayer Pride Parade. Oh, totally. Never dawned yeah. on me. Right, right. Dawned on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vampires are always kind of used allegorically as, I mean, because of the fact that they are other to humans, that's kind of a natural connection. But even True Blood was very on the nose with like coming out of the coffin Mm -hmm. and all that. I feel like it's just naturally been uh, a very easy connection to the LGBT community. Yeah. Before we get too deep into it, uh, we gotta always ask this question. Queerness and Buffy, why do you know that? Um, that's a great question that I should have been prepared to answer. Uh, I mean, the podcast is called Why Do You Know? (laughs) Don't shame her. (laughs) It dawned on me. Yeah. Uh, so Buffy is my favorite show of all time. It's, you know, 
it's when I when I find out that someone else is a Buffy fan, it's like it unlocks a whole new part of my brain where I can talk to anyone as long as I'm talking to them about that. Um, it was my favorite show when I was a teenager. I remember like really getting into seasons two and three when I was in high school. And yeah, and then just I've watched the series uh, from start to finish so many times and it's always just meant something different to me every time I've watched it and I've always needed it in a different way. Um, and yeah, and being a lesbian, it was kind of the only show for a really long time that I felt like I could relate to elements of it, uh, like the coming out aspect, like being, you know, the only the only, you know, slayer slash queer person that I knew. And, you know, it's something that your friends can't relate to. There's, I mean, I'll get into all the ways in which uh, it's very queer, but for a long time, the show has just meant so much to me and was kind of like a friend that I've had. And so knowing uh, knowing that it meant so much to me, it's like I would study it. I have so many books that are about the the philosophy of Buffy, the spirituality of Buffy, the you know the gender politics of it. Um, I've read so many paper, like so many people's essays that are online. There are a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's just truly my favorite topic to research. I can't think of anything that I'm more interested in, and anything that um, I, like I think that I could. I think that I understand a lot of human emotions because of that show. And, and like, I understand what growth can really look like. I understand what like disappointment can really look like. I, I understand so much um, via that show. And so it, it's able to kind of put it in a context of, um, yeah, like real human. I am a human being. Um, I will point that out. Like I do understand human emotion. Um, but I, but I think I just understand a lot of circumstances that I wouldn't, you know, yeah, you well, get it. the characters are so well written and well defined, mm-hmm. and I mean it's Joss Whedon who, as we all know, is a very good storyteller, a very successful storyteller, problematic human being mm-hmm. turns out, maybe, yeah. but very good at writing real characters. So that totally tracks with me. The idea of yeah, these are this is how real people would respond to even if they're crazy out of this world things Buffy's a allegory like you said in so many ways and there's so many metaphors that yeah I get it yeah mm-hmm. and if I you want it. a podcast that's about metaphors specifically there's a bunch of those out oh, there yeah. I'm sure you can <laughs> listen to any of them this is about the allegory of being somewhere anywhere on the LGBTQIA spectrum within this show mm-hmm Glad I'm getting these disclaimers out of the way. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so people know. Um, you know, in doing some research for this, it dawned on me, like, because I also watched Buffy as a kid, but mm-hmm. I haven't gone back to watch it as an adult. It's been on that long list of, like, oh, when I just have three months and feel, like, really diving sure. back into something, I'm, that's, like, at the top of the list. Yeah, because yeah. it's work. Yeah. In a way. It's 144 it's, episodes. Exactly. Yeah, it's whereas, a lot. Whereas, why put on something new that I have to digest when I can just have The Office on in the background again? Right. Uh, exactly. So there's like this sense of, ooh, should I get into this? I should. You absolutely but. should. I you think should. that. Yeah, there, there's, there's shows like that for me. Like I, last year I did a, a dive into Dawson's Creek, which I hadn't seen since it was on. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad I did this. I'm really glad I did. Because now it makes me look at Joshua Jackson and Michelle Williams in like an entirely different way. And yeah, it's worth it. In the 90s, things were way, way different compared to they are now. Like now we've got, we got Drag Race. We've got, um, uh, I mean, the L word is pretty old at this point, but they're rebooting the L word. Yeah. Will and Grace. Which is also reboot, you know, come back twice. Uh, Tales of the City. Uh, another reboot. We have so many gay reboots. Yes. We're, we're, we're up to the wazoo with gay reboots. So, like, what was queer before Buffy? Because Buffy is one of those rare shows that, like, actually portrays LGBTQ issues and representation in, like, a thoughtful way. Yeah. Well, uh, Willow and Tara, that was, like, the longest lesbian relationship that was shown on TV. And it also took... 
uh, they didn't get approval for Willow and Tara to even kiss until a season and a half of them being together. Like, it was always just supposed to be assumed. But before that, I mean, the Ellen, you know, the Ellen episode was before that. Um, but again, it was kind of like these one-off moments where there weren't, re- like, healthy relationships that were being shown by any right. means. And I'm I'm talking from, like, queer women. I'm not as well-versed in gay men, you know, or queer men, you know, what that representation was like. But... Yeah, for queer women, that was kind of groundbreaking. Yeah, it feels non-existent in a way. It's like the most popular show on TV is Friends, which is just all gay panic all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, you could maybe make the argument that like, I think Carol is always used as the punchline. It was always used as like the, it was always used as the the joke, but never actually the story. Right, exactly. When Ellen did come out, that was a big moment, but then immediately her show lost ratings, didn't do as well, and everyone kind of, blamed it on Mm -hmm. Ellen coming out, which I feel would then have had an effect on uh, queer, not just women, but just having any gay characters on TV would look back and be like, kind of like when Bridesmaids came out and everyone was like, well, let's wait and see if Bridesmaids does really well. And then we'll decide if we're going to do more female comedies. I think it was like, well, Ellen came out and that didn't end well for that show. So let's let's maybe not have too many gay people on our shows. Totally. And I think the something that I think Buffy had in its advantage is that because it's a because it was a genre show and because it was for the first few years kind of billed as a teen soap opera I'm sure that a lot of the the people who had perhaps protested maybe it was like under their it was you yeah. know it wasn't on their radar yeah. there's a I remember a Sarah Michelle Geller quote where she said she booked Buffy and she would tell her friends like I just booked this show it's on a new network called the WB it's a mid-season <laughs> replacement called Buffy the Vampire Slayer and her friends would be like You'll get something next year. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a lot of people it was. Yeah and, yeah. and, you know, when you talk to people now and you tell people that your, your favorite show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they kind of, like, roll their eyes. I think it's only within, you know, it making this kind of, like, 20-year anniversary mark that people are actually saying, like, oh, no, this was an incredible show. Like, not, e- not even just for, you know, what it did for the LGBTQ community, but... Um, just the way that the show was structured, like, was a whole new way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, and like the the genre mixing was totally new, and the performances and like the sta- some of these standalone episodes, like Hush or The Body or Once More with Feeling, I feel like that kicked off like a whole uh, whole parade of of these musical episodes mm-hmm. in in TV series that generally didn't have them, but. I feel like it finally is kind of being celebrated as more than just a cult show, but as like a show that fully defined like a generation. And yeah, so now I, I think I was when I was in high school, I used to be embarrassed to tell people that it was my favorite show. So For I was sure. like a yeah. closeted just to like bring it all back around. I was definitely a closeted Buffy fan. And only until my adulthood when you realize that, you know, the things that make you unique sometimes are uncool when you're in middle school and high school, but are actually the things that make you very cool as an adult, um, which I would say makes me very cool as an adult, uh, is when I finally came out about it and then met other people who were super into it. And then it made me feel validated in my choice to love the show so much. Let's let's start with what Buffy is. Sure. Vampire Slayer. Um, In each generation, there's a chosen Chosen one. one. She alone will fight the... The, the vampires, vampires and the demons. Forces of evil. Yeah. She's the slayer. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the whole kind of concept of Buffy for, for Nadia and anyone else listening. Uh, <laughs> remind me. Yes, it's I'll been remind a minute. you. So Joss Whedon was always uh, kind of drawn to the idea of that pretty, petite, blonde girl who always gets killed first in a scary movie. But what would happen if she was the thing that the monsters feared? What if she had the power? Um, wrote a movie. Kind of yes. got, you know. Starring Christy Swanson. Yes. As well as Luke Perry, mm-hmm. rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And Seth Green had a small part in it. Yes. Cut out. Um, and David Arquette was in it as well. Uh, but yeah, the film did not do super well immediately because it was, uh, as Joss would say, it was a much campier version. He was not happy with what the director did. He said that his script was much darker and that especially the um, 
what's his face the alan paul rubens mm-hmm. paul rubens scene uh particularly was a mark of it just being way too over the top and way too campy for this dark script that he wrote yeah i think the studio probably was like oh buffy the vampire slayer that sounds like a silly little romp totally and went in the completely wrong direction yeah so it was much a surprise to people when it got when you know it was being adapted into a tv series and nobody really knew you know how it was going to do yeah do we feel like susan sontag would may add an addendum for notes on camp and add buffy the vampire slayer movie (laughs) or would she add the tv show or do we feel like the tv show is not camp totally i think that the first season of buffy has camp but I think that, I mean, it gets really dark in it. I mean, once more with feeling in particular, if you're comparing it against other series, musical episodes, I mean, when you th- when you think about the context of where that episode comes in, it's like after, spoiler, but after Buffy has died for the second time, she was in <laughs> heaven. She doesn't want to tell all of her friends that by resurrecting her, they took her out of, you know, this place where she didn't have pain or responsibility or all this guilt. And they dragged her back into Earth and they can't understand why she's so different. And the only way that she can get it out is via song. So there's like a lot of really uh, beautiful truths that have that are only able to come out through song. Whereas I didn't see the Grey's Anatomy musical episode, but Yet. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine that it doesn't feel as justified. Yeah, that or it didn't community do a musical episode. I think so. Scrubs did. Right. Scrubs it was a little more in story because there's a woman with like a brain tumor and that was making her hear everything as a musical so i guess credit to scrubs for finding it finding a justification yeah finding the brain tumor caveat (laughs) if you want to have a musical just give your characters brain tumors uh but yeah so from the movie to the tv series buffy the character moved from la to los angeles and i think la to sunnydale that's what i It's dangerous. Oh, she moved across town. It's like moving to a different yeah. world. Have you ever moved from Brentwood to Studio City? It's a new city. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so she moved to the fictional town of Sunnydale. And I think right there in the first um, season, I would say that there's a, a little bit of relatability for queerness in that it's all about their, they've, the Scooby gang, as they become known, it becomes about their chosen family, which I think adults who are LGBTQIA watching um, can relate to that, can relate to, oh, my family doesn't get me, my mom doesn't know I'm a slayer, my parents are nowhere to be found, but I have this tight-knit community of like-minded people, and we slay together, and we research demons together, and I think there's something relatable just in that, yeah, totally. And, you know, in relation to who they are to other people in the school, they're like the weirdos. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the I think, I, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but I think the in the beginning seasons, the the allegory that I really like a lot is, especially when you are young, like if you come out when you're in high school, I mean, there's there's usually a period where you're the only queer person that you know. And even if you have, you know, and that's kind of, alongside the Slayer, you know, being the chosen one, the only one. And even though you have these incredible friends like Willow and Xander, they are not Slayers. They do not understand what it means. And as much as they want to help, ultimately you are kind of alone in figuring out what your identity that you didn't ask for, you know, which was ascribed to you, they can't really help you in in figuring that out for yourself. And obviously, uh, there's yeah, there's the the push and pull for for Buffy, especially through the high school years, where she just wants to be normal. She just wants to be like everyone else. Mm-hmm. She wants to, you know, just have this person that she can. You know, she just wants to walk through the halls and like hold hands with the person that she's into. She doesn't want to have to go to graveyards at night. She she doesn't want to have to like have all of her clothes with like grass stains and blood and shit like she just wants to lead a normal life and she can't because she is not like her peers she is entirely separate and then there's a whole like you know 
only being this way at night and other people not knowing the secret that you have because she also um for anyone who hasn't watched the only people who know that she's a slayer are giles her watcher who's you know like her chosen father who is her mentor her watcher and then her two best friends willow Willow and xander and then cordelia kind of finds out too yes cordelia the resident kind of mean girl yeah but with depth you learn later yes yes well she later in season three um her family loses her money and i always say if you want to make a mean character relatable make them secretly poor yes that is always Mm -hmm. how you get your mean girls to all of a sudden be a little more sympathetic just make them poor 100 secretly poor then everyone finds out they're poor and you just you get your mean girls to yeah, or mean boys. Either way, yeah. Just make a character secret. Because there's nothing don't more gender the mean stuff. humiliating <laughs> than being in middle school and finding out that uh, these aren't real Adidas sneakers. Mm-hmm. They're just the ones that have like the two stripes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so speaking of <laughs> Buffy being alone, so she's alone, but then so. Early on in the season finale of the first season, Buffy dies. Mm-hmm. She drowns. Yeah. But only for a minute. Xander's able to give her CPR and bring her back to life. But that was enough time to bring for another Slayer to be called. And that Slayer was Kendra, who ended up getting killed. She wasn't in there a lot. Her uh, that scene was a little, terrifies. Yeah. Still terrifies me. Yeah. She gets her uh, throat slit by a fingernail. Yeah, You're welcome, Gisella. listeners. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to Kendra dies and another Slayer's call, yeah. Faith, which takes us to season three, Faith, the new Slayer in town, along with Buffy. And I wanted to get to Faith because what you said was you could write an entire dissertation yes. <laughs> on Buffy's relationship with Faith. So going off of uh, what you just said about so much of Buffy's high school years in the beginning were about feeling alone and there's mm. no one else who gets what she's going through until Faith comes along. Yes. So, yeah, so there the, you go. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and just to segue into that, I mean, the only person who somewhat understands her struggle slightly is her boyfriend, Angel, who is a vampire however that is obviously the opposite of who she should be with because mm-hmm. she's a slayer he is vampire i do um, remember sorry to interrupt but i no, do remember fine. the um previously on for like all of season one and two would always have giles saying a slayer in love with a vampire, vampire. <laughs> <laughs> just the yeah. one sound bite to make sure anybody tuning yeah. in who hasn't watched before now they know the main thing a slayer in love with a vampire <laughs> And also, I mean, this is just another little pin, and then I'm going to go back to Buffy and Faith. But I think it's not uncommon for when you are a queer person for your first relationship to be very tumultuous because there are just so many feelings of, like, there's just so many feelings that you um, have never really been taught to deal with in a healthy way or you know it's it's so feelings heavy it's so passionate and obviously her relationship with angel he you know he turned into angelus after they slept together which you know is an allegory for someone you know the guy turning into an asshole after you sleep with him but he literally turns into um an evil villain and he tries to kill her friends he kills her computers teacher rest in peace um but yeah and then she has to kill him etc etc so like emotionally abusive relationships in queer you know in the queer world is another uh little addition to that but buffy and faith (laughs) so so yeah you know one could argue that the you know the first other quote-unquote queer person if we're using that as uh a substitute for slayer was kendra however kendra was Kendra was like the 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 straight A students of Slayers. She did everything by the book. She had no friends. Um, Buffy was like the first Slayer to ever have friends. That was that's that's kind of like the major difference between her and every other Slayer for like the first you know six seasons is that the prophecy never said that the Slayer would have friends. So that's a huge you know deal. Uh, but when Kendra and Buffy met. There was a lot of tension between them because it was somebody that was like out buffying Buffy. So they never they had respect for each other, no. but they never they never connected because Buffy was just shown how um, how how she was slightly more incompetent than Kendra because Kendra you know she didn't she didn't have emotions to deal with in the way that Buffy did. She wanted Angel dead. You get it. Um, but then yeah, Faith comes along. 
And Faith is slaying in like a whole new way. Like this is a person whose slayer identity they're so fucking pumped up about. They are like, you have, you know, responsibility. What are you talking about? Like you have so much power in the fact that you're a slayer, gay person. Like you, this, like, I love that this is my identity. Like, isn't this incredible? I feel so free by it, blah, 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 blah. And so meeting Faith is the first time that Buffy starts to see, it takes three seasons, well, I mean, you know, two whole seasons and then a couple episodes to see that there are benefits to being a slayer. Like, there, like that there is something really beautiful about this identity. And, you, you know, you never really see Buffy unwind. And there's this beautiful uh, shot in the episode Bad Girls where Buffy and Faith are at the Bronze, which is the resident uh, nightclub for teens, where they're like dancing to techno music and it's going crazy. And you're like, whoa, who is this changed Buffy? And it's because Faith like took her to, you know, this this club and made her feel like very made her feel you know i think you remember the first like other gay person who was like it's not all sadness it's not all feeling lonely like you can actually uh be happy you know could be actually be happy that this is your identity it's not just all this like responsibility and pain and so yeah that was like the first person that showed buffy that and there's like this this scene where where buffy is in like chemistry class or something and and faith shows up at the window and blows up blows some breath on the window and and makes a little heart out of her condensation i remember that and calls her girl yeah (laughs) and like calls her girlfriend a lot and eliza dushku plays faith and eliza dushku just has like permanent like hot bi energy where she's just oh, so yeah. like oh, yes very early crush for me yes so just, she, just her whole vibe of her, just yeah. being like oh you're going to rip me apart but make me feel good I yeah this. totally it's like and the character of faith is very like fuck or fight like that is just her and that is her whole vibe and so this is like really the first woman especially to really shake up Buffy and you see this chemistry that she has with Faith that is very like palpable. It's it's really intense and Yeah. Um It's hard to say like rewatching it. Like when I first watched it it was just like, "Oh, cool, Buffy has a slayer friend who's teaching her about slaying." And isn't it cool to slay? It wasn't until like recent rewatches of season 3 that it's like, "Can you even say this is subtext? Like this is pretty straightforward. They are in a they are romantically digging each other. Yes. They are physically attracted to each other. Yes. I think it's very easy to read that not even as the subtext, but as the this I, is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'd like to propose a change in cultural lexicon, which is very recently we've coined the term big dick energy. And I'd like to change that to big douche energy. <laughs> because like <laughs> because like that's like that fucker fight thing is exactly like what the character portrays. Like I re- again, I watch these episodes, but like I can't recall them to say my life. So like I have vague sense memories. You guys are talking about this and you're saying like she tried in the club and stuff, and I was like, Oh yeah, I think I remember seeing that like these are not uh like uh, seasons one through three or four or something and then mm-hmm. at that point it starts to drop off for memory wise right or i didn't end up watching them but went like to college yes yeah. and then i feel like i ended up dropping off of a lot of teen dramas and teen hour longs the minute they went to college because i was like all right whatever and then when i was in college i just didn't like make time to be like i'm in college too let's see yeah, how it's all about dip- felicity baby yeah yeah and then <laughs> <laughs> and real world Las Vegas. Oh yeah. Oh god. Trisha. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen uh, Frank. Oh man, Bryn. Bryn hit Stephen with a fork. Alton. Mm-hmm. Alton. Uh yeah, so the I love the character of Faith. I mean, she is obviously uh very divisive in the way that a lot of these characters are, but following her arc through the series of Buffy and following her through uh, the series of Angel. I mean, she's a incredible character, and I, I think that if Jessica Jones was made 20 years prior, Eliza Dushku would have played Jessica oh, Jones yeah. because mm-hmm. Faith and Jessica Jones are basically like mirrored characters. Now that Jessica Jones isn't going on on Netflix, they can redo it, and maybe they can have Eliza Dushku. 
Yeah, I would love that. Hey, all our Netflix uh, employees who listen. <laughs> well, well, it's it's going off of Netflix because oh, you're right. Uh, hey, Disney, Netflix employees don't listen. Yeah, turn but it off. Disney Plus employees, hey, Disney listen. Plus employees, Marvel employees, got listen something for you. Hey, yeah. MCU, <laughs> I see you, MCU. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> I love when Steve says something and then is like, oh, I regret it. Immediately Mm -hmm. yucks his own yum. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's Uh, the story of my life. uh, She was supposed to get her own spinoff TV series after the final season of Buffy, and then Alyssa Dush could turn it down. She did. Um, And that's all I got as far as that's concerned. I don't know if there was more to that or if she was just like, I want to do other stuff. Yeah, well, she also did Dollhouse. She did True Calling. True Calling, I believe, is what she chose to do instead of pursuing a faith show i don't know mm-hmm. if she wanted to do that more than she wanted to do a faith show or if it was more like well here's a for sure opportunity to be on a show right. versus developing and pitching and making mm-hmm. a pilot and hoping to get picked up mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean and and for anyone not in the industry like look it up <laughs> <laughs> look up those terms and if you are looking for podcasts about being in the industry there's a bunch of those sure. you can go to them sure. this is about buffy being a queer icon yeah <laughs> This is what this one is about. Um, yeah, she. Uh, I feel like in reading more about Faith, it's just like uh, her. What's her catchphrase? Five by five. Five, yeah. by five. five by five. And that I. W- I wanted to see if there was like I wrote it down as like is there an equivalent to queerdom and that like w- like the expression she when she says five by five is basically to say like it's okay I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. I don't know it what gets, it means. It gets better. <laughs> well, yeah. <no. laughs> well, I mean, like, I mean, slay bitch, I feel like is something that could be, uh, was it taken from Buffy? We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll but never know. Probably. Yeah. Or not. Um, but it was it, Paris is burning and then it was Buffy yeah. and, then it, and then it was everyone and then it was Beyonce, I guess. Yeah. So it was like it came back every uh, dozen years. Yeah. yeah. And now it's just on T-shirts everywhere in the Goodwill bin. And you're like, we get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enough. Um, but also on if we're, you know, kind of wrapping up the the Slayer identity portion of of this topic, there's uh, are you familiar with season seven? Did yeah. you watch mm-hmm. season seven? So uh, spoiler. But uh the wor- the uh, the final like apocalypse is happening, uh, and Willow and Tara figure out. Or I'm sorry, ooh, Tara's dead. Uh, another spoiler. Sorry, Nadia. Spoiler but alert. Willow figures out a way to uh, basically like activate every potential Slayer that exists in the world, um, so that Buffy no longer has to be alone. And there's this storyline where all these potential slayers come to Sunnydale so that Buffy can train them. So so now, you know, Buffy had only met one or two other gay people. And now there's a whole slew of these young gays that are coming to her house so that her, the elder gay, will show them the ways. She will, you know, teach them what she has learned these past seven seasons. And uh, they don't listen to her. They actually don't like her. They kick her out of her own house. It's incredibly sad. So it's like the the community that she had arguably always wanted, um, she finally gets, but then she doesn't really need it anymore. But she has to watch all these other people who are now getting this community that uh, could be argued she helped Built like they they would probably everyone would probably be dead in the world if it was not for Buffy. She had saved the world multiple times, and so this community that she you could say built, she is not even allowed to be a part of anymore. So there's just yeah this really interesting kind of like generational uh, queer thing that's going on. There's like you know what a community could have meant to you if if you had found it in time. Like there's just a lot there that I find really interesting uh, as well. When they kick her out, it's because another Slayer has come to town who they do respond to And guess more. who it is. Yes. They've got big douche energy. Yeah. Ah! 
Faith comes back. Oh my god! And the Slayers oh are like, we like her. We like this idea. We, yeah. We don't like these rules and this, you know, seriousness. Yeah. Faith, Faith is all just like slaying and fucking are the same. We and like al- this cool. And also she dances. the, you know, what happens between season three of Buffy and season seven of Buffy is that. You know, Buffy and Faith try to kill each other. They get in many fights that on this panel that I was on last Saturday that Latoya Ferguson had called legally sex because of the (laughs) way that they fight each other. They stab each other. It's insane. Um, uh, She had also swapped bodies with Buffy at one point, which is one of the best episodes Mm -hmm. uh, in season four, season five. It's called Who Are You? I think it would probably have been four. yeah, I think. College, oh, yeah, it yeah. was. It was season four. Because um, she had sex with Riley. Yeah, she had sex with Riley. She uh, Willow came actually, kind of like, in a way, uh, didn't didn't necessarily come out to Buffy in this episode, but it was introducing Tara for the first time, who was right. Tara's or who was her, Willow's, you know, mm-hmm. secret lover at the time. Oh, we'll too. oh we'll get in there. Um, and Buff, Buffy, but it's Faith in her body, has an absolutely horrible reaction that she does on purpose and and makes this, like, insanely insensitive comment to Tara about how, you know, she always thought that Willow only drove stick. Like, there's a lot there that... Drove uh, stick? Yeah. Faith. That Faith <laughs> fucks up for Buffy and then goes to L.A. and is uh, seeking mentorship from Angel, who is Buffy's ex-boyfriend. Like, there's a lot of, like, incestuousness in it. And so by the time we reach season seven, it's like they've gone through this entire journey where the potential slayers choosing Faith over Buffy is the absolute most uh, hurtful thing that they could do, really. Right. Is like, yeah, I don't really care about like you, this person who has uh, saved the world multiple times and have taken this responsibility so seriously. A pioneer and has, in the slain movement. Yes, mm-hmm. and who has constantly made sacrifices to her own detriment to save the world, killed herself so that her sister and the rest of the world could live. Didn't go to jail for murder. Yes, like... Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, yeah, there's just like so, there's so much there. Um, the There's something else about the Faith and Buffy thing that I wanted to bring up, which was like, uh, well, there's a few things. First, when we talked about that episode, Bad Girls, uh, Faith accidentally kills Deputy Mayor Alan Finch. Sure does. Uh, Jack Plotnik. Mm-hmm. And that ends up sort of setting her off on this path of like feeling even more isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that has no allegory. It's just, well, this is fun plot to keep. Yeah, her she out like of just goes on life. this, yeah, insane destruction tear, and Buffy is like, just because you're a slayer doesn't mean that you can do these absolutely insane things. Right. And then because she's like more alienated mm-hmm. uh, by killing someone who's actually human and not a vampire, like she did a legit murder, uh, she ends up allying herself with the quote, villainous mayor of Sunnydale. The mm-hmm. mayor, yeah. The mayor. And I just wanted to hear more about that. And she, she eventually forms this like father-daughter bond with him. Yeah, so... Her family was killed by Kakistos, or I'm sorry, her watcher was killed by Kakistos, and I don't remember. I never read um, uh, "Go Ask Malice," which was apparently like Faith's backstory, but I don't remember what happened to her family. But you uh, imagine that they're like completely out of the picture, and so that's also why she's very jealous of Buffy because Buffy has um, a bit more of like a family structure in place with her mom, with Giles, with her friends, and so the only person that kind of reaches out and is like, "Hey, you know how fucked up you are? Like, I accept you for being this fucked up, and I'm gonna use that fucked upness in in it." Uh, in my favor, essentially. And so he uses Faith as kind of like his minion. But there is this um, there is this love and compassion that they have for each other. And it also makes, it weirdly makes the mayor more likable, even though he's this villain, because he is the only person that is giving Faith emotional support, is giving her financial support, is giving her any level of stability. Um, but yeah I'm, yeah, I'm curious what that kind of allegory is um i mean i, I it's I, I guess it's another version of chosen family even if they're doing incredibly yeah. evil things because up until she allies with the mayor faith was living in a rundown motel so you've got like 
four main characters of the show, none of them have been like, come stay with me. You're a slayer. You fight vampires. You should have a warm place to eat food and and be welcome and not be alone in this like awful motel. Um, and so I, I think that's what helps the and makes the mayor relationship actually very interesting um, and makes them both sympathetic is he's the first person that really treats Faith like uh, it's the first kind of parental figure, the first kind of like person. Sugar who, daddy yeah. kind of, but it's not sexual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But she just, just she's found what she's been looking for, yeah. which is somebody to give a shit. Yeah, but she's like, you know, she's like homeless queer youth. Yeah. Really. Right. Yeah. And she comes from this like emotionally traumatic background, right? Yes. Uh, where it's just like abusive and mm-hmm. not good. As opposed to Buffy, where it's like the equivalent of coming out, but like even if things are... Not Even though you have a single family. mom, she's, yeah. she'll get it by season three. Right. Like, yeah. she'll start to understand and ask questions and be like, is that, do you want me to say, do you, is it a sleigh or slayer? Yeah. And you're like, this is such a big moment. And, you know, Thanksgiving dinner becomes, like, a little easier to, like, handle because yeah. when the rest of the family comes over, it's not. <laughs> so I, I read Dracula. Yeah. Is that... Is that like what you do? I saw an interview with the vampire. Is that what you do? I, I do you like Anne Rice, or do you think that she's like? Do I need to write a letter? Like they're trying to be Am I okay supportive. To be asking this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're trying to show support at that point, but they're still in that space. Versus a uh, 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 faith where it's just like there's nobody, there's nothing. She's in, uh, she's in complete transit, and she's totally on her own. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh-huh. I think that uh, idea, I never even thought about, yeah, homeless queer youth. That's exactly what Faith mm-hmm. was at that time. Uh, I'm going to plug something. If you live in the LA area and you're like, I've, I Marie Kondo the shit out of my closet, please go donate your clothes to the uh, LGBT Center in LA because they give them to homeless youth. I thought mm-hmm. you were going to plug a show. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm gonna LA pause area. everything to talk about. Uh, um, my I've got a two-man improv show yeah. at ECB Franklin. Check at out my Instagram midnight stories on Saturday. Um, so then Faith tries to murder Angel. Sure. Uh, under the orders of the mayor, the one guy who's like actually feeding and housing her, and then they battle it out in the season finale. And so then she goes into a coma. She sure does. Okay. And then at that point, she comes out of it, and then it's just. So that's when she, in season four, that's when she is fully out to get revenge against Buffy. That's okay. when uh, that's when she switches bodies with Buffy with mm-hmm. this, like, insane contraption where, you know, you just grab their hand and when you both press it. And she, yeah, she, there's a whole episode that we talked about, Who Are You?, where she is in Buffy's body and is just making absolutely destructive choices while also um, when Riley, Buffy's boyfriend at the time, says he loves her she reacts with such anger because she allowed like there was moments of her experiencing this thing and she forgot that he wasn't saying it to her he was saying it to buffy and it made her so angry because she won't get to experience these things because of how closed off she's been and so in hating buffy she realizes that she's actually very envious of buffy yeah it really does a number on both of them buffy I don't think ever can really get over like the ways Faith violated her. Like imagine she switched bodies with Buffy and then had sex with her boyfriend. Yeah. Stuff like that. Because then you'd be like, did he like that sex better? Mm -hmm. Like what? And then, yeah. And then on the other side, um, uh, Faith kind of seeing everything she's not Mm -hmm. in Buffy and everything that she couldn't have that Buffy had. They really are each other's. What is Foils? It? Yeah, that works. Okay. So um, uh, so we've covered kind of the allegorical sense of mm-hmm. queerness with just slaying in general. Like, I mean, Buffy's mom even says, when she comes out as a slayer, her mom even says, like, have you tried not? Yeah. Which is very... Because she, you know, and I think that... Have you tried dating a boy? That mm-hmm. there's, you know, some people, there's some homophobic parents who are like, after they finally come around and you ask them why they were this way, they were like, I just wanted you to have an easy life. I mm-hmm. thought it would be like dangerous. I yeah. was scared for you. I just want you to be, I just want you to have a normal life so I don't have to worry about you. And and that could be said of, you know, Absolutely. of having your slayer 
child. Yeah. So when uh, Buffy comes out to her mom, that's the episode Becoming at the very end of season two. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this big, giant emotional moment. That she is, She kicks her out. She's like, if you leave, mm-hmm. you're not coming back. And so then that's kind of like another uh, element of like homeless queer youth who are kicked out or homeless trans queer youth kicked out for yeah being themselves, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go from kind of the more allegorical, I said allegorical so many times. <laughs> yeah, you like so into that word. Metaphorical. Yeah. To, so the, anyway, to the more literal. Yeah, to the we go to the more, the exactly. The so uh, for the first three and a half seasons, Willow was dating Oz. Mm-hmm. She had a crush on Xander early on, but then in college, College of all places, she joins a Wicca group and she meets Tara. Yeah, so so there was a few little, you could say there was a few little uh, uh, moments where it was hinted at that perhaps Willow was interested in women. There's the episode where it's called The Wish, which is when Cordelia makes a wish to Anya, who later becomes a huge character, about how she wishes that Buffy never came to Sunnydale. And so you see like the the dystopian side of Sunnydale where vampires reign and, you know, humans and mortals are basically uh, just, you know, second to none or second. And uh, Willow is a vampire and she has all this power and she's also like gay. (laughs) Like there's this element of, even though uh, in, in this non dystopian a version of Sunnydale that Willow identifies as straight and she's with Oz in this dystopian uh, she's like very flirty with women and is very like toppy about it. Kind of faith-like in a way. Yeah. Like fighting and fucking. Or, yeah. You know. And so when you know when the wish is over blah 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 and it's back to regular Sunnydale she's like I was really mean. I was also kind of gay. Yeah. And then and then I think like her dating Oz, who is an other, there's something kind of queer about that, that she's not dating another mortal. Um, and she's also, there's a comment that she makes where she's really into his hands, which, I mean, I think that speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. And he's musical. Yeah. But yeah. And, and then he her, changes his hair color a yeah. lot. <laughs> and then her just like being into magic in general is something that, is, you know, witches and magic and Wicca and astrology. That's, that's There's always nothing something. more queer yeah. than crystals. getting And that becomes the new, I yeah. feel uh, the show kind of transitions from Slayer queerness to magic is queerness. Totally. And again, re-watching. And also like magic is drugs. <laughs> yeah. That happens later too. Yeah. It's like, is magic queerness or is it drugs or, or is, is it? Both? Is it, yeah. Tell us. Um, but uh, it's all those things in this world too, not just in the world of Buffy. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, are drugs gay or are gay drugs? No, drugs. <laughs> it's transitive. A if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C. Transitive yeah. property. Yeah. So gay is drugs. Yeah. Uh, but that that becomes kind of the new queerness i feel is uh, magic and again rewatching those episodes more into adulthood it's like this spell is straight up fucking totally but when i watch Absolutely. it as a teenager it's like oh look at that she's got this magic friend and yeah, they're doing magic so special, together and they got a cat together yeah it's completely dark with one lit candle yeah. and they both lean down and go out of frame for their magic yeah spell. there's this very special episode where so so basically Oz, who is her boyfriend in high school, is her boyfriend her freshman year of college as well. And there's this episode where he um, meets another werewolf. And while he's in werewolf form, he... More queerness. Yeah. He cheats on Willow. And so because he can't, you know, he wants to, like, get this side of him under control. He, like, goes through, like, werewolf conversion therapy, essentially, and leaves. Um, And you don't really know if he's going to come back. And so then Willow forms the, you know, she's heartbroken, but then she forms this friendship with Tara, who is so incredibly sweet, who is so kind, and also none of Willow's friends know about her. So this is this is a relationship that she has all to herself, because up until this point, I mean, she's just been kind of like uh, Buffy's sidekick. She's never really had much of something to herself, even though Oz- She reads. Yeah. <laughs> she's the book one. Yeah. And so she has this special, like, Wicca group. She has Tara. And then 
Oz comes back and just, you know, is like, is there another guy? And just assumes that because there isn't another guy in Willow's life that she is not spoken for. And this is when Willow and Tara, it's like at the height of uh, their tension where it's like, are they together? Do they like we know that they somewhat like each other. Um, There's that really special um like i am you know yours it's just so fucking sweet um and, and amber benson plays her so well i think it plays sweet, I think so. sweet so well i'm a Terra fan yeah i'm a Terra fan for sure and so when oz comes back and just assumes that they're gonna be back together uh tara because it's not because the relationship isn't defined between she and willow which i think is uh very indicative of the way that you know you first start to figure out that you're queer you like get really really close to someone really fast and you don't really understand what it means but it's like so intoxicating and it's so special but it's like such a secret and you don't know if it's special because it's a secret or because it's so special and it's so undefined and so when Tara finds out that, or believes that Willow and Oz are going to get back together, she's obviously heartbroken. And it would be, you know, Willow could choose Oz. Oz is a great person, but she is like, you know what? This secure thing with this person who I've been with, I actually don't want because I want this really scary thing that I'm so inexperienced in. But this is this is me. That I have to go for this. And so... Yeah, she tells Oz, and yeah, then she and Willow are together. Mm-hmm. She's like, I have to be with the person that I love. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody, like, you know, I, I think everybody responds when she finally comes out to Buffy and Xander and everybody yeah. else. Nobody's really thinks anything of it beyond like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. it, it's never really a... Nobody really has a hard time with it. Which is so like lovely yeah. compared mm-hmm. to so many other portrayals yeah. that are coming mm-hmm. out where it's either hackneyed. Um, like imagine if Chandler was gay. Yeah. It's like they would just- Joey be- would kick him out. Yeah. And hate crime him. Yeah. He'd throw a pizza on his face yes. or something. That's what I mean by yeah. hate crime. <laughs> It's a hate crime to Joey because he loves pizza there so you much. Go. There totally. you go. Uh, no, but I mean, like, there's so many other portrayals are coming out that I feel like aren't maybe necessarily authentic. It feels maybe shoehorned, or it has to be watered down to fit the straight palette, yeah. as opposed to just, hey, this is this is my deal, mm-hmm. and people going, oh, okay, great, and it's supportive, yeah. but without being like hitting you over the head with it supportive mm-hmm. like Buffy definitely is tripped up because she didn't see it coming and there's she says Willow after every single sentence when she's like what are you talking about Will like no oh, Will yeah. I'm so into this Will and she's like why do you keep saying my name like why are you being so weird um, but yeah but if you even look at the the show in general how rare is it that you can watch a character that you love go through three and a half seasons of development and then then they come out and it and to have it feel so natural it was it was just a really cool experience that i haven't seen in any other show Mm -hmm. really like they're now it's like they're usually gay immediately or the their first season conflict is them trying to come out Mm -hmm. Um, or they're bi for two episodes and then they're like never mind yeah they're they're bi during sweeps yeah Yeah. they're november or february bi they're they're samantha they're a trisexual i'll try anything once where it's just like hey i'm with the woman now and none of her friends are supportive and weird yeah and then yeah and then it's like what uh yeah there's so many more instances of that in trying to make light of it versus Mm -hmm. just let's have somebody figure out Mm -hmm. their sexuality on their own terms which is i think so much truer to people's stories um like when i was in high school i did not think about girls in that way Mm -hmm. and then when i got older i was like oh Actually, oh, here's a door. Yeah, what's in here? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you know what? I like this room. I also like the other room that I'm used to with the guys in it. You know what? 
I don't think it would more be more rooms. Yeah, what's so bad about a two bed? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> more windows, I more natural light. I it was a long hallway, and all the rooms were just singular rooms. Ooh. But I like the apartment better. Oh, having like a yeah, yeah. and the kitchen is uh, when I masturbate, yeah. and then. Uh, <laughs> but we all masturbate in the kitchen. Like, yeah. Anyway. Well, going back to what you said, Brittany, about Buffy kind of teaching you um, these lessons on how to handle different uh, things that life kind of throws at you, like very much Buffy and Xander's response to Willow coming out, mm-hmm. I think is a good lesson in how to be a friend. Like, yeah, they're taken aback. Like she says Willow after every sentence. But then once that settles, it's like, okay, you're still Willow. Yeah. It doesn't take like seven episodes for Xander to finally get over the fact that Willow's interested in women, yeah. which with it being Xander. But there you- is something, there is an aspect that um, I don't think gets talked about a lot but it's something that I really related to was Tara's dynamic within the group. She was, so when I was in college, I dated a lot of straight women who uh, I was like their secret girlfriend or I was just like their weird girlfriend who uh, didn't really like fit into their groups and was never really like treated as a part of the group. And Tara, even though she was like, so valuable um, in terms of you know witchcraft and just um, in terms of just like being Willow's major support. She's never really like integrated into the group that well, and it's talk and it's uh, there's a lot of like lines that where like Xander doesn't really like understand Tara's jokes, and he like remarks about that sometimes. And um, I think the only person that really ever. Except for that episode, Family, where Amy Adams plays like this homophobic cousin. It's oh, crazy. that's right. Amy Adams mm-hmm. is on Buffy. There, I think the only person who really connects to Tara is Dawn. Um, but ever, and that's because it's kind of like a surrogate mother after mm-hmm. Joyce passes away. Spoiler again. But for the most part, Tara is kind of just like Willow's girlfriend to all of Willow's very straight friends, and it's and Willow's and, and Tara's never really like accepted into the group. It's re- I don't know. It was something that I was I think always, that's, I, that I always really related to when I, I dated straight women. <laughs> that's the episode where they're like planning Willow or they're planning Tara's like birthday party, and I remember like Buffy and Xander both kind of like having a conversation. Yeah. that's like. Yeah, I don't really get is, her jokes. Yeah. I don't really get her Who is thing. She? Yeah. What is she to us? But it's is like, she our friend yeah, or our but it's like, girlfriend? Re- but it's really important to Willow. Um, yeah, I just found it interesting, especially people who... Because Willow doesn't have any other gay friends. It's only Tara. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Tara like always has to hang out with Willow's friends, which is you know another relationship dynamic. And then, of course, when you know, Amy comes back from being... Yes. There's Amy. They uh, the accidentally rat. turned herself into a rat yeah. in season three. And then who, you know, and gets stays a rat Willow into three or four years. Yeah. heavy oh. drugs and yeah. and whatnot. Um, so it's not really um, strong parallel magic, which for a year and a half was mm-hmm. a metaphor for um, Willow's queerness, becomes magic is a metaphor for drugs now. And Willow is addicted to magic, yeah. which means she's addicted to drugs. But it's like, wait, wasn't she, wasn't magic what her love gay? with, wasn't magic her gay? Again, yeah. is gay drugs or is yeah. drugs gay? And but- with the way it seems like every corporation now looks at pride and goes like we can make money off of this yeah there's another we can make our twitter logo mm-hmm. a rainbow right yeah here at monsanto <laughs> we can make sure that we celebrate pride yeah. or whatever we can make rainbow listerine bottles yeah <laughs> for your gay mouth <laughs> so then it's like are gays money gay equals money to them or is money gay or is drugs money oh mm. that's a great question i think it's like a yeah. never-ending triangle, maybe? Yeah. And a triangle is technically gay upside down. There we go. Yeah. We solved it. Yeah. Take that, Are Illuminati. We- yeah. <laughs> Figured it out. It's gay money. Wait, Illuminati's a triangle, right? It is. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for a, somebody to have a YouTube series about this entire conversation. Ooh, right. So but that's another that. podcast. But that's a different podcast, you guys. The if per- you're looking for a podcast. <laughs> about the person who's going to crack our dumb Illuminati joke that is somewhere else. This is about, is Willow, do we th- think that Willow is like truly, truly gay then? Because like, yes. or do we think that like, 
she just doesn't know. There's no other gay people in town. So well, like, she dates Kennedy after. That's Tara. right. Yes. Yeah, but Sucks. like, she, all her friends are straight, and so yeah. it's this thing of like, hey, has I've she had just, men. I mo- again, like, I think that my college experience very much echoed the like Tara Willow experience because I had no other gay friends. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very possible, um, and I think that's why it's so. Yeah, I think that's why it's it's really. Kennedy came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Do you remember Kennedy? I read a little bit about her, but I never yeah. remembered the episode. She comes out of nowhere in season seven because it's like there was such a a natural build with Willow meeting Tara where all of a sudden here's like this potential slayer who's like, yo, I'm into you. I'm going to top you. And Willow's like, uh, okay. And it comes out of nowhere. And so yeah. you don't really care about Kennedy. And she's also kind of cocky. In her defense, she has to go up against Oz and Tara, who are two of the most like beloved yeah. characters on the entire series. And I think that was part of it. It was like, who's opposite of Tara? But I don't think, I think after. Who's the opposite of a sweet bottom? Yeah. A meat <laughs> top. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Tara was so beloved, and we spent all these years you seeing them evolve. I think it was a miscalculation that anyone was like, "I gotta see, I gotta see Willow get back in the sack soon." Totally. Or even like, I think it was a good call for them to have her be in another relationship, mm-hmm. and I think it meant a lot to queer women to, for her to be with another woman post Tara yes. um, after Tara died. But yeah, Kennedy was an interesting choice. Yeah. She's she just wasn't written to be likable, and but I guess not she was written to be compatible with Willow no, at all. Absolutely. I mean, but again, Willow changed so much, yeah. so maybe she did need someone like Kennedy. Who um, knows? She's on those gay drugs. She's on those gay drugs. She's on that gay magic drug. Yeah. There's and, no. And I guess for her to be with a Slayer, maybe gets out some like fantasy shit. Yeah. So yeah, Tara does die. Spoiler alert: yes. she gets killed. Yeah, at the end of is, season six. That is an episode a called oh. "Seeing Red." Yes, it's mm-hmm. very, it's very difficult. That episode is also when Spike sexually assaults Buffy. Yeah. it is a very painful episode. Uh, Tara dies at the hands of Warren, who you don't really believe is a threat. Um, he's part of the trio, which are these n- like nerdy kind of like incel guys yeah. who aren't super threatening in the beginning but then Warren like flips it into like hyperdrive and he shoots uh Tara like he yeah. he's trying to shoot Buffy he shoots Tara uh the bullet flies into their bedroom and that's what causes Willow to turn into Dark Willow and she wants to you know kill mm-hmm. everyone because she's in so much pain I've- this is the episode of Hush no, Hush. No. Is, Hush sort of helps lead into it. Hush though. is uh, season four. Hush is when everyone, nobody can talk. Everyone in the town loses their ability to speak. And right. it's the first time we see Willow and Tara kind of magic together. Totally. Yes. So that is the first like, oh, these two are going to be together. Yes, they yeah. join hands and gaze into each other's eyes and move a vending machine. And you mm-hmm. can just feel like, oh, they that made them hot. Yeah. Like there's something in that moment you're like, ooh, they they there's something yeah. mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I think the actress has a great chemistry, which was also, I think, missing from totally. Kennedy. Totally. Uh, I was reading a lot about a trope, criticism of- Barrier gaze. Yes. Uh, I think that barrier gaze is certainly, you know, a plague when it comes to these two characters finally get to experience happiness and then one of them dies or- you know, through this like sweeps, you know, mm-hmm. like you were talking about earlier, where it's like making someone gay or making someone buy just to get better ratings, but then killing them off because you don't care to, you know, uh, flesh out that storyline more because it's not important to you. However, I don't believe that this falls in line with the barrier gay tropes because you see them to get like they do go through a full relationship you know what i mean like they are together for a season and a half two seasons um they get as much screen i mean they really do get as much development if not more than what willow had with oz and you know oz left the show um i don't think it falls into the same camp i think that it was very tragic that tara died i think it was really sad that you know, that relationship, that very, the most healthy relationship I think you see on the entire series, which is also a feat in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's sad that that relationship had to die. 
along with Tara. However, it made sense for the arc to propel Willow forward yeah. and to show her at rock bottom. Like she Willow would not have gone rock bottom if Tara was still alive. Yeah. It really had to push her to for them to, you know, have this arc for her. And again, you got to see their relationship for two seasons and it was the most important. It was like the most important queer female relationship on TV, honestly. When they finally, you know, had when they finally become intimate with each other, it turned out that that was like the first lesbian sex scene on primetime television. Yeah. And it's also just like, is it implied? It's not it's, like... Um, yeah, I mean, the... Like, I can feel you inside. Because this is once more with feeling is yes. what we're talking about. Yeah. Where it's like they're singing, but it turns very sexual. Or she's like... No, I'm talking about touched. Sorry. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Kennedy and yes. Willow. Oh, yes. got it. Yeah, with um, Willow and Tara, it's very implied. Right. Um, like, you think that uh, Tara's going down on Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she, that's like, another thing floating, where you yeah. rewatch as an adult and you're like... How implied is this? This seems very like yeah. she's saying, like spread beneath my willow tree as she's yeah. singing. She's floating in the air. You literally see Willow kiss her, and then like her head moves down um, out of frame, and then Tara's just laying there with like this look of ecstasy just rising in the mm-hmm. air. This explains some of the YouTube videos. So I was trying to pull <laughs> clips because yeah. I wanted to like watch some of the stuff that I was yeah. reading about. And uh, anytime I tried to find anything with Willow and Tara, it was like all slideshows set yeah. to like, like you're still the one I want to like it's all that mm-hmm. um, and not in any way a a, a clip yeah, and I'm sure that's because of copyright things. Yeah, but it for was, sure. But it was definitely I was. You got to really it. love Tara and Willow to to rip DVDs. <laughs> to make your slideshow, there was just an aspect of watching it where I was like, okay, these two are clearly beloved characters, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. But also, like, can someone just upload these scenes of implied yeah. sexual content as opposed to like? this evanescence playing over the two of them. Oh, yeah. I think fans do love evanescence for that. (laughs) All right. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on. Why do you know that? Let's end it on one of Steve's thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Brittany. Uh, Is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, Sure. So Angel is a spinoff of Buffy and uh, me and my friend Laura Zach, we have a Angel podcast called Angel on Top, where we go alongside Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which is a Buffy rewatch podcast. So you can check that out. I also have a podcast called Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead, where Steve will be on will. It, uh, in a couple months. We'll post. But I'll let you know. a podcast where I interview other people who have lost a parent, specifically a mother. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Brit27ash, B-R-I-T-T-27-A-S-H. All right. Great. Just remember, Great. drugs are gay magic money now. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the podcast, share it with everyone you know, any way you know how. Subscribe, like, rate, and review us on iTunes. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, whatever, you can email us at whydoyouknowthatpod at gmail.com. Or if you're more of a picture person, follow us on Instagram at whydoyouknowthatpod. Or, hey, if you want to hang out on Twitter, follow us on whydoyouknowpod. Different because Twitter has weird restrictions when it comes to characters and handles. Let's do this again sometime. Okay.